couple of weeks ago, we began teaching a series. I mentioned to you the night that I taught the first lesson that I had been looking at the spirit of deception. And I spent some time. Tonight, I want to come back and pick up with part two of the spirit of deception. And I'm going to be reading from Genesis, the third chapter. And while you're there, if, if you missed the first lesson, I'll just give you a quick run through. Of course, not going to reteach the lesson. But in the spirit of deception, we read a couple of key scriptures, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, where the scripture says that be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he shall also reap. And so we talked about the deception of believing that what we do that we will not have to pay a price for. And so the principle teaches that if we sow to corruption, we will reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, we will reap life everlasting. Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked, and who can know it? So the Scripture teaches that it is even in the heart of man to be deceptive. And of course, um, we... Uh, talked about the fact that things are not always the way they appear to be. It is not always the way it appears and that people can be deceived by in so many different ways and so many different manners and that society uh, leads us into uh, deception by so many different avenues and so many ways. The scripture teaches us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And so uh, we talked about some of the key markers that, uh, that stand out about people who struggle with deception. And the first marker is that they struggle with issues of self-esteem. And uh, we spent some time talking about self-esteem. Uh, Secondly, we talk about, talked about how that deception will always lead to spiritual bondage. So the spirit of deception leads into bondage. That is how people get caught into, uh, get led astray and get caught into uh, addictions that hold them captive. They're held captive uh, because of deception. And then, of course, through deception and by deception, uh, when a person becomes deceived, there is a level of conceit that they feel that they are smarter than everybody, wiser than everybody, able to get by everybody. And so we talked about the conceit that uh, uh, the scripture in Galatians chapter 6 says, if any man think himself something when he is nothing, he is, he is deceiving himself. And so we talked about conceit and how it rolls into deception. And we wrap things up. Uh, with the fourth point on deception, a key marker of deception, and that is careless hearing. Uh, James chapter 1 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. So we can shout amen, agree, we can go along with everything that is being said, uh, but then go on and live however we want to live. And we are deceiving our own self, not deceiving anyone else. Tonight, we pick up with Genesis chapter 3, and we will continue in the Spirit of Deception series. Genesis chapter 3, and I will begin with verse number 1, and I think I'll be reading down through about verse number 13. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, 
When serpents start talking, I get nervous. That was a good time to smile. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, well, when people start talking back to the serpent, there's another problem. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Satan always brings lies. He is a deceiver. Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. There's always a little bit of truth in every lie. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, hmm, she saw it was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, just like Satan said, just like the serpent said. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord, walk, Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Pay attention now. They went against God, yet they still heard from God. They still heard and recognized the voice of God. They heard the voice of of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? As if God didn't already know. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman made me do it. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Here is an incredible story of the foundational principles of deception and how that deception can be spread so rapidly and so easy from an individual to another and that deception, literally sin, enters the world through deception. This is why that the spirit of deception is so incredibly powerful and the church 
we must guard against deception. I said last uh, the last lesson that I taught, just because, because it's written in a book, just because it's written in the internet, just because somebody says it, doesn't make it a fact. We need to know our source, our resource. Now the scripture here teaches that Satan beguiled Eve. Now that word beguiled is an interesting word. In the King James Version, it means to charm, to captivate, to seduce, or to mislead, to misguide by cunning acts or cunning words, to intentionally mislead by cunning words or actions. The spirit of deception. How often... Are we misguided, misled because of the spirit of deception? The same spirit that the serpent used on Eve in the garden is still rampant today. Somebody ought to say amen. In other words, the serpent tricked Eve, therefore Eve was deceived. She was beguiled. Satan, the serpent, beguiled Eve, misled Eve, deceived Eve, and she ate of the fruit of the tree that the Lord said, Thou shalt not eat thereof. There's a couple of New Testament scriptures I want to bring in, and I didn't give them to them in the back. They can put them up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 11 and 1 Timothy 2. First we'll read 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 3. If you're following along in your Bible, and I hope you are, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3. The Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the church of Corinth, and he says, but I fear lest by any means that the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He's talking about the same spirit that the serpent used to beguile Eve. And he said, if we're not real careful, your minds can become corrupted by the simplicity that is in Christ. We make things more complicated than they ought to be. The same writer writes in 1 Timothy, his first letter he writes to Timothy, the young preacher in the second chapter in the 14th verse. And he makes an interesting statement that supports the Old Testament passage, not that we need to support, but I love to support Scripture to make a point very, very clear. The Scripture said, And Adam was not deceived. You have that, 1 Timothy 2, 14? And Adam was not deceived. But now Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now watch, watch. Eve, Satan, the serpent, beguiles Eve. She is deceived. And she eats of the fruit of the tree that the Lord said, do not eat thereof, because the serpent said, it's okay to eat. 
Now here is God himself speaking to Eve, yet she heard the voice of the serpent and believed the voice of the serpent over believing the voice of God. Here is the catch. Adam was not deceived. He knew that when he picked up the fruit and he took a bite and he ate of the fruit, he knew that he was breaking the commandment of God. But Eve was deceived by the serpent and she went against God, but she was deceived. Let me break this down for you. Adam went into sin willfully. Eve became deceived in her mind. In other words, she actually believed that what she was doing was okay. She believed that it was all right. She believed the words of the serpent instead of believing the commandment of the Lord. Here is where the church must always be on guard because the serpent said to her that it is good for food. Obviously, he led her there. I would guess that before, before this, that Eve would not have even considered walking close or getting near to the tree, lest they would fall into it. For God said, don't even touch. Don't touch it. Could I bring this home to you a little more? That the scripture speaks clearly to us in the church and says not to touch the unclean things of the world. Don't even touch them. But we live in a day of permissiveness where we want to get close to it and check it out. If she would have never gotten close to it and checked it out and looked it over. But when she gets to looking at it and, you know, the sales job that the serpent is doing on Eve is pretty amazing. He's telling her, well, look at the beauty of the tree. And she sees the beauty of the tree. God never said, I'm going to make an ugly tree in the midst of the garden. He never said the tree was not going to be good for food. He just said, don't touch it and don't eat of it. Everything else belongs to you. But I'm going to put one thing off limit. There are some things that God has put off limits and we must be cautious and careful lest we fall prey and fall into the trap of beginning to believe that there are things that society says is okay. Because through the process of time, what grandma and grandpa would have never even thought about, never even considered, mom and dad got close to. And the kids partake thereof. That's the law of diminishing returns. As we move forward in society, the things that this generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. The things we say we'll tolerate in and around the church but won't be active in, the next generation will be active in. That's what history has taught us. Eve, 
should have never gone close to the tree. But she gets there and she sees that, that the serpent is right. If he tells one thing factual, he must tell everything factual. It's beautiful to look at. It's pleasing to the eye and it's good for food. So therefore, maybe, now we've always said that the tree was an apple tree and we've always used that example. No, the Bible never says anything about it being an apple tree. It just says it's a tree and it was a fruit tree. It may have been a plum tree, a persimmon tree, who knows. But it was a tree that produced food. It was a beautiful tree. It was pleasant to the eye, and it was good for food. But the Lord said, don't partake of it. Yet, I'm guessing maybe if it was this beautiful fruit tree that's in the middle of the garden that the deer were eating from it, and the squirrels were eating from it, and the raccoons were eating from it, and Eve looks at it, and the monkeys and the apes are eating from it, and she looks at it and says, hmm, I wonder. If everybody's coming to this one tree that appears to be so beautiful and partakes of it, why would I not partake of it? Look at the rest of the world. Look what the rest of the world is doing. I kind of feel out of place. I kind of feel like I'm missing out. I'm losing out on some real life here because everybody else is doing it. But the Lord said, for you, Eve. I'm putting it off limits. Didn't say it wasn't beautiful. Didn't say it wasn't good for food. But I'm putting it off limits for you, Eve. And Eve goes there and she gets close to it and she sees it. And, and she, she heard partial truths because the serpent said, the, the serpent said, your eyes are going to be open. And guess what? Her eyes were open. And so when she didn't die at the moment of touching it, she didn't die at the moment of eating it, she thinks everything's okay. But what she didn't understand was that it was not necessarily a physical death that God was speaking of, yet physical death was going to come in due time because man was created to never die. But now, because of sin, she would have an end to her life and, and she would bear forth children in pain and agony and man was going to have to earn a living by the sweat of his brow, which was never the plan of God from the beginning. Those women get us into it. And so she, she looks at it and she gets close to it and it makes sense to her. Are you with me? And she became deceived. I have met with people and talked with people and tried to persuade people that absolutely can argue they can argue their point. They can say, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see it. But when it is contrary to the word of God, it does not matter what society says, what anybody around you says, how much sense it makes to you. The Bible has some clear do's and don'ts that as the people of God we must stand firm on or we will fall into the trap of deception. It doesn't matter if the rest of the world gets near the tree. I don't want to get near the world. 
It looks okay. It looks like everything's going to be all right. It is good for food. Everybody else is eating it. Let's go try it. We may even be wiser than we are now. And voila, they're wiser. And when she doesn't die and when her eyes are opened and she sees what she never saw before, oh my, look at me. She understood what she never understood. She didn't want to live the rest of her life knowing that she was now going to be smarter. It was the first time that woman became smarter than man. Man couldn't have that. He was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. But rather than letting her die alone, he wanted to satisfy her and he partook of what God said, don't partake, there, don't partake of. This is the this is the tragic the tragic thing that I see happening in and around the church world is that husband wife son daughter grandma grandpa somebody flirts with the serpent gets close to the tree steps over the boundary and then tells everybody else look the church is wrong the preacher's wrong. The Bible's wrong. I'm okay. Everything's good. I still hear the voice of God when he's walking in the cool, in the garden, in the cool of the evening. I still hear from God. I can still talk to God. I still have God. But you also have death. And you also have pain. And you also have a mess. And you also have brought sin into the world. And now your children are going to pay a price that they never would have to pay. And you're going to lose a son that God never intended to die. It all was connected to the deception of one person. And she believed that she was right. Does it matter? Who tells you that it's right if it's not in alignment with the word of God? Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Stand on what God says is right. And so Eve was deceived. She would have argued the point. I would guess there would have been some argument perhaps that is not listed here where Adam is saying, you did what? You ate what? You went where? I can't believe it. The Lord said, you're going to die. The Lord said, no. But she was deceived, meaning she believed she was right to the point of putting up an argument. There are moments I've lived long enough that I know sometimes it's better to be quiet than to be right. Anybody understand what I'm saying? But that's not always true. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we're better to be quiet than to be right. As a pastor, sometimes I have people that challenge me on certain things, and I duck my head or I remain silent and I walk away. I have people challenge me on certain things that I know that they're wrong, 
and I will try, but as soon as I see this fight is not a winnable fight, I'll stop. Have it your way. You're deceived. And I'll walk away for the sake of keeping peace. But when it comes to salvation, and when it comes to heaven or hell, and when it comes to the things of the house of God, I refuse to remain silent if it upsets the world and if it makes Eve cry all night long because her feelings get hurt because I preach something from the word of God that is truth. Cry, baby, cry. But I've got a job to do to stand firm against sin and stand firm for righteousness. In my home and in my family, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to stand firm. It doesn't matter if someone goes astray. Stand firm and let them know you're wrong. I don't want to bring division in my home. I don't want to bring division in my family. But if one of them chooses to go astray and comes back and tells me, oh, look at the freedom I have. Look at the liberty I have. I still hear God. Sure you do because of grace and mercy. It doesn't make you right. Never confuse the presence of God with the approval of God. Never confuse the voice of God with the approval of God. God will never approve of us going against his word. Adam wasn't deceived. He walked willfully into it. And that is the tragic point of deception that when one family member becomes deceived, the whole family can easily fall prey to the deception. He was led into it willfully because his soulmate was deceived. She really thought she was right. I couldn't tell you the number of people that my heart has broken when I've talked to them and they're ready to bow up and argue with me. And I'll just let it go. But it's the spirit of deception that is leading them astray. And then months or years go by and they're out of the church and their family's out of the church. And of course it's the church's fault. And the preacher's fault and everybody's fault. But I can go back to the moment. I can go back to the point when I stood strong with them and said, you were wrong. And they said, I'm right. And I take them to the scripture and say, let's see what the Bible said. And nine times out of ten, they say, I don't care what the Bible says. When somebody believes that their thought process is greater than the word of God, they are deceived. When you believe your opinion is more powerful than God's word, that is more correct than God's word, that your opinion or the opinion of society ought to modify. We are living in a world that is trying to silence the word of God. They're saying don't speak up against, against sin. They have made pulpits. They have tightened the grip on pulpits to try to make it where we can't preach against sin, particularly certain sins such as homosexuality. The world is there is a huge craze today trying to say it's accepted. They're people, of course they are. But that doesn't take it out of the word of God as being sin. The Bible said it is an abomination. doesn't mean we don't love the person, but the sin can never be in the church. It can't be in the church. Just like can't lying be in the church or fornication be in the church or adultery or any other thing that the Scripture speaks of can't be in the church. 
Don't let it be heard. Don't let it be said. We've got to stand against it. Just because society puts pressure on us doesn't mean that we're going to yield. Well, we're going to lose our taxable status. We're going to lose. Lose it. I would guess in these last days the time will come when we will. And I hate to see it happen. But when it does, I'm going to still keep preaching truth. Because this is God's church and he'll find a way. I've got to hurry. A clear sign that a person is being overtaken by the spirit of deception is when a person truly believes they are right to the point that they will oppose the word of God, they'll oppose the man of God, they'll oppose traditional thinking in the church when it comes to doctrine. They will, they will, they will point their way to society. They will point their way to new ideas. They'll point their way, their direction to everything except the word of God for their direction. They have been led astray. They are deceived in their minds. The Bible even speaks about people who become deceived. Now, this is great, great deception that falls where people actually will reach a point of of declaring and believing that there's nothing to the Holy Ghost and, and they will blaspheme against the Holy Ghost and they will speak that there is nothing to this, that they everything that we've ever had and they'll throw it all in and say, we don't need any of this. We don't need, we don't need the oneness of God. We don't need Jesus' name baptism. We don't need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They'll throw it all, of the, all away. And the scripture said that the Lord will send a strong delusion. The Lord sends a strong delusion and allows them to believe a lie. He allows them to continue in their deception. God could snap them out of their deception, but they willfully walked away from it and blaspheme against the Holy Ghost. And God will say, I'm done. And he will send a strong delusion. And they'll go on living and everybody will say, they appear to be okay. Everything seems to be good. Sure they do. But the Lord sent a strong delusion. And they will believe their lie. Satan says, you shall not die. It will make you as God to know right from wrong. There was so much truth involved there. There were partial truths that were rooted in the spirit of deception. Part of what the serpent said was true. Their eyes were opened. But the totality of it all was very misleading. Pay attention, church. There are people even in the church. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. Take this as a warning message that I'm preaching to you tonight. There are people even in the church that are deceived. They are deceived in their own mind and they believe what they believe. It is that deep in them. They will oppose even the word of God because they believe that they are okay. They will take you to the history books and show you, I don't have to live this way. I don't have to live holy. I can do what I want to do and live how I want to live. I don't have, there are people that will sit and argue and say, I don't have to pay my tithing. I know people that have lived their whole lives and been blessed without paying their tithing. I didn't make this up. But the day is going to come that you will give an account well, they, they live however they want to live and it seems to be okay. 
They secretively drink and party and smoke and do drugs and whatever they want to do. And it seems like everything's okay. They repent and come back to God. No, they never repented. And God's dealing with them through mercy and they take God's mercy and they trample over the mercy of God and it adds to their deception trying to prove their point that they're right and everybody else is wrong. The spirit of deception is meant to mislead. It is meant to misguide. And so if there had never been a conversation that was misleading, Eve would have never committed the sin. Had Eve never had a conversation with Adam, there would have never been the willful sin of Adam. Leading to my final point tonight, an unbridled tongue will lead to self-deception. An unbridled tongue. What do you mean by unbridled tongue? An unkept tongue. A tongue that speaks. I have people that that brag about what they say and how they say. Well, if I think it, I say it. Well, you're in opposition to the Word of God. Because the Bible teaches very clearly that a, spool, that a fool speaks his mind. I didn't make that up. The Scripture, the scripture is very clear. Just because you think it doesn't mean it needs to be said. An unbridled tongue will lead to deception. You will speak things and hear yourself speak things. And before long, you'll begin to believe what you're speaking. James chapter 1 verse 26, If any man among you seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue. Can we get that on the screen, James 1 and 26? Because I know y'all think I'm making this stuff up. I know you think I make it up just because it fits in real well. James 1 and 26. If any man, look at your neighbor and say, or woman. All right, you with me? Just had to make sure you're awake. If any man among you seem to be religious and But deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion. This what? Somebody said it like this, and I'll just leave you with this. God gave us two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. So we we should see and hear twice as much as we speak. And here's the issue with people who are deceived. The deceived heart is caught up in spiritual poverty. And they often don't know it because they're deceived. They think they're okay, but they're deceived. They're caught up in, they're, they're missing out. Others can look at them, spiritual people can look, or look at them or be around them for just a few minutes. And they feel, you, you can almost feel sorry for them because you know 
They are spiritually dying. They can talk the talk. They can say all the right things. They can make it all appear to certain people and people flock to him. And, oh, look how spiritual you are. Whoa. Just as spiritual as everybody else. No, they're deceived. And they're deceiving. They're caught up in spiritual poverty. And know this. When a person has been deep in deception, this is why... This is why deception deception's involved in all sin. You can it, it was it, it was in the beginning, and all sin is 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 caught into deception. It does not matter. Lying is it's deception. Stealing is de- there's deception. In adultery there is deception. Are you with me? It's and we could just go right down the line. It's all everything. It's all. Deception is part of all this. If we can fight against deception, we'll fix a lot of the others. And so it's there's deception. There's a deceived spouse. And before long, they feel they're okay. And do you see it at work here? And so when somebody gets caught up deep in deception and they go to the they go deep into deep into deception. If they deceive those that are the closest to them, do you not think they'll deceive those that are not the closest to them? If they'll deceive their spouse, will they not deceive one that is not their spouse? If they'll deceive their employer, would they not deceive a random person? You see, you see, and the issue is, is when they get so deep into deception, it becomes part of their character. This is what we've got to know. We have to understand this because there is a way out. I'm not going to leave you hopeless tonight. It becomes part of their character because when they, when they reach the point of becoming deceived, deception is part of their nature. They can deceive without even thinking about it. It's easy for them to deceive. And so often the closest people to them and around them are deceived by their deception. They know part of the facts but don't know all of the facts. They know part of the truth but they don't know the reality of the truth. They know part of the story, but they don't know the full story because there's always a part of truth connected to every bit of deception. And so people who get burdened deep into deception and when they get caught into it, ladies and gentlemen, it is a long road out of that deception. The issue is that they get caught in spiritual poverty. And the only way that one who gets so deep into deception, their only route out is to renew their spiritual walk with God. They can try to fix everything around them. I have people that will often say, well, Pastor, just as soon as I get this, this, and this, and this fixed, then I'm going to go after, I'm going to really fix my life. I'm going to start back praying and start back to church, start back. No, you'll never get it because you cannot fix all of those. You are deceptive. Everything about you is deceptive. The words that you say are deceptive. I have sat in my office and people will say, well, but they said, or remember, remember such, I'll say, stop right there. 
When did that happen? And when did the deception start? Cancel it all. Whenever the deception starts, we're not going to believe anything from there forward. Because everything is deceptive. Everything is deceptive. And the only way to get back is to start at the core, and that is to start with your relationship with God. Get it right first. Fix the relationship with God. And when you fix your relationship with God, then you begin to fix the other areas of your life. But until you get right with God and and begin to understand, I am the one deceived. I'm not deceiving God. I told you I'm going to help you out of this. I preached you way deep down in a dark dungeon of deception tonight, but I'm going to help you get out of it because I want us to understand that no matter how deep you are in deception, no matter how involved you have been in deception, you can get out of deception, but you've got to understand you never deceive God one moment. He knew it all the time. You're deceived thinking that you got by God. You're deceived thinking and when we come to the realization, oh, God really knew all the time. Yes, he did. Fix it with God. God, you knew it all the time and I'm sorry. I got to fix it. I got to turn it around and get honest with myself. And get honest with the fact you've been watching me all the time. You've been hearing me all the time. You've known it all of the time. I don't have to wait for you to walk through the garden in the cool of the evening. You already knew it from the moment that I walked up and started looking at the tree. You were seeing me. And so when we get our relationship right with God and we understand that God knew all the time, we break the curse of deception because only God can break the curse of deception. Because deception will keep leading you downward until you realize that Jesus Christ went to the cross and every sin from the sin of Adam to Noah to Moses and from Moses to the setting up his kingdom, he took to the cross and he nailed that to his cross. When you get your relationship right with God and you get things fixed with God, then everything else will begin to come together. That's why the scripture said, seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. So the first thing we've got to do is fix our relationship with God. And when we get the relationship with God right and realize he was never deceived. I'm deceived in thinking he was deceived. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also. So there's a way out. You start with your relationship with God. And when you fix that relationship with God, everything else will begin to fall into place. And every time that deception begins to raise its head, this is why I tell people that are involved in any kind of sin, any type of addiction, I tell them, never, ever, ever put yourself in a place where you're even around it. Somebody that's addicted to alcohol, stay away from it. Don't go anywhere that anybody's drinking it. Don't be around a buddy. Well, it's just a family reunion. Don't go. Oh, pastor, you're telling me not to go to a family reunion. Not if you're addicted. Stay away. Miss a few years until God completely delivers you. Stay away from it. Get out of it completely. Oh, I'm tempted. Every time I smell cigarette smoke, stay away from it. Get away from it. Separate your, well, my best friends, stay away from them. Well, I'm, I'm pulled, I'm, I'm caught. Our young people need to be in here tonight because I can tell them that the best way to stay out of fornication is to stay out of the back corners of the fields. 
and the back seat of the cars and stop being alone. Oh. Bring a third party alone. Well, I'm meddling now. Avoid the very appearance of evil. I'm not going to let anything, I'm not going to let the possibility happen. I'll remove myself. The dirty jokes are turned around the are told around the drinking fountain. Stay away from the drinking fountain. Because I'll get pulled in. Get tempted. Stand with me. God bless you. Thank you for tolerating my rant tonight. Lord, thank you tonight that you have made a way out because all of us, Lord, our, our heart is desperately wicked, deceitful, oh Lord. It's, it's evil above all things, oh God, and we need you to keep us clean and keep us pure and keep us holy. Help us, oh God, to always know that you see all things, hear all things, know all things, understand all things. You know the very thought and intent of our heart. God, work on us. Help us to be what you would have us to be. Purify us, cleanse us, and we give you glory, give you praise.